Here we go. How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to the show. It's time for another episode of the Politics and Punk Rock Podcast. I am Andrew for America and People. My throat's a little hoarse today. I'm going to try to power through this. Lots going on. Lots going on. I wanted to start the show today with just a little housekeeping. A few things that I've noticed. A few things that are going on with me, going on with the show. Um, You've probably noticed uh, the Cancel Carl Marx episode. You could not listen to it. It was not up on the platforms on the day that I said it was going to be released. Uh, The only place that you could hear it uh, is on Anchor. I recently tried to switch my hosting platform over to another hosting platform company. And I completely messed up my Anchor account when I did that. I clicked a button when I didn't want to, and I didn't know that if I clicked that button, it was going to completely take my show away, basically. So I had to call Anchor, uh, chatted with the customer service rep, and I guess they escalated my issue up to the IT team. And in 48 to 72 hours, I should be receiving an email telling me that my show's back up. Uh, So we'll see. Uh, By the time I know, by the time you hear this, actually... Uh, it should be up back up and running again, obviously, because I'm recording this after the fact. So I'm just going to keep making podcasts and storing them, I guess, until they put my show back on the air, uh, back on Anchor, and distribute it to all of your favorite podcast platforms. Uh, recently, I had a guy... Said he uh, he emailed me. Said he listened or messaged me rather. Uh, said that he listened to my show because he saw one of my ads, and he said, uh, "I like your stuff, uh, but I think it's pretty funny that uh, you 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 have uh, that Orwell quote uh, on your upside down flag because Orwell was a socialist." Ha ha ha! And he like, you know, he he literally put like ha 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 after it in his message. <laughs> Hey, thanks for the info, buddy. Guess what? I knew that. Yeah, him and Huxley, members of the Fabian Society, socialists. Yep, I got it. I know. Doesn't mean that his book isn't prophetic and that he didn't say some intelligent shit, okay? Ugh. Buffoonery. The buffoonery. Uh, Anyway, here's another thing I noticed. If you follow my podcast on Facebook, Politics and Punk Rock uh, Podcast, whenever I post a meme or pretty much anything that isn't an advertisement for my show, (laughs) I get lots of likes, lots of shares, lots of follows. Oh, God, it's so great. It's just like, wow, if only my ads could reach that far. Because you know what? When I post my ads and I boost a post for a new episode, uh, it does pretty well. But if I don't post it, 
uh, I'm sorry, if I don't boost the post and I just post it, there's like almost no interaction. So I don't know if that's what they call being shadow banned. I don't know if they can shadow ban you uh, on Facebook or if the algorithm just knows that, hey, uh, we're not going to push your advertisements for your business unless you pay us some money by boosting your post. I suppose it's a good business plan. But uh, I think it's kind of bullshit. <laughs> so I'm going to start spreading out. I'm going to start finding new places to uh, put my show. I've been hearing a lot of uh, other podcasters talking about BitChute and Odyssey, uh, of course, Patreon, and some other sites that I have not uh, taken the time to get up and running on yet, so I should probably do that. Um, and then another thing I wanted to let you guys know is that I am in the process. I'm going to be moving soon, uh, and I'm going to be taking a little bit longer uh, to get my shows out. Um, I've been kind of going pretty quick lately. I've been doing a show like every uh, four days to a week between shows. Uh, but I got a lot to say and there's a lot going on. You might get a show every four days. Um, if I'm busy or I'm really spending a lot of time researching something, uh, it might take a week between shows. Uh, but... Uh, over the course of the next couple months, it might take even a little bit longer than that. So I just want to give you guys a heads up, let you know that's what's going on. And once I get my new setup and my new situation up and running, uh, everything should be great. Uh, another thing I wanted to let you guys know, I want to promote another podcaster. Uh, podcasters, plural. There's a podcast out there, people, called The Wicked Planet Podcast. With Buckley and Ron from New England. You can find Ron from New England on Instagram. I messaged him recently and we've been kind of chatting. And I told him that I loved a couple of his recent episodes. Uh, I just started checking out some more podcasters that I've been hearing about. And uh, the Wicked Planet podcast did a show. Uh, I think they put it out February 3rd. Current Cancel Culture, Stray Monkeys, The Club of Rome... And Origins of the Cabal with Anonymous Sean. And they're setting up a series in this show that I'm going to definitely be paying attention to. Very good, well-researched, all-encompassing historical information. I highly, highly recommend that if you like my show, especially the Past is Crazy show uh, episodes, uh, or anytime I talk about the secret societies and the occult, and the history of the Khazars and the Jesuits and the Roman Catholic Church, etc. You're really going to want to go listen to this podcast. So they put that show out and then there's an, uh, the next show in the series I think was called Current Events, The Black Nobility and Their Templar Connections. Knights Templar, we've been over that before, with Anonymous Sean. Uh, and that's where I left off. Uh, I highly recommend if you haven't listened to the Wicked Planet podcast, you go check it out. And I'm going to be paying attention to the series that they just started doing. That sounds like it's going to be awesome. Very interesting, informative stuff. Um, 
Um, okay, let's move on. So the first clip I want to play for you guys today is from Bill Maher. And Bill Maher, like I said before in a previous episode, I don't know what's happening to the guy, but he's finally starting to get it. Uh, he's starting to see past the partisan bullshit. And I really like this piece he did on, you know, COVID insanity. Very uh, interesting perspective he runs by uh, his fans and uh, viewers, I guess, listeners of his show. So take a listen to this. Time to do what a growing list of countries have done and announce we're going back to something more like normal beginning with recognizing that what we're doing to kids is unnecessary and horrible, and I don't even like kids. (laughs) But making kids who have a COVID survivability rate of 99.98% mask up like bandits, unfortunately, the thing that's getting stolen is their education, their sanity, and their social skills. A study this week from a professor at Johns Hopkins concluded that the lockdowns we all suffered through had little impact in reducing COVID deaths. Okay, that's kind of a big one to get wrong. (laughs) Last July, President Biden said, you're not going to get COVID if you have these vaccinations. Well, I already knew that was wrong then, and now we all do. The former director of the CDC, Robert Redfield, believes COVID originated in a lab and... Now, our intelligence agencies agree it might have, but for months on social media, it was banned to even discuss it. Look, I'm not saying the medical establishment isn't trying to figure shit out or that they're corrupt, although there is some of that. (laughs) But, But how about just wrong? Wrong a lot. Wrong about HIV, wrong about lockdowns, wrong about kids, wrong about how you couldn't get it if you were vaccinated. Remember washing our packages? And there's never been any research showing that outdoor transmission is likely or common, yet L.A. County says we're still supposed to mask up for big outdoor events, like we'll be at the Super Bowl. Well... He's showing a picture of the governor of California and the mayor of L.A. with no masks. It's all theater, watching athletes mix it up on the court and then mask on the sideline, not being able to touch a menu, but watching them touch my food. (laughs) Maskless at dinner while sitting but not standing. And by the way, if Applebee's really cared about our health, they would make us cover our mouths after the food arrived. I'm just asking, how much wrong do you get to be while still holding the default setting for people who represent the science? Yeah, yeah, Bill Maher, great question. How wrong do you get to be when you're a quote-unquote expert in your field, be it government or politics or medicine Or, I don't know, you're the head of the NIH, you're the president of the United States, you know. How wrong do you get to be? 
And for you people that are still denying the, the timeline of the COVID-19 pandemic, you people that listened to that Bill Maher clip and didn't think back and say to yourself, oh, wow, God, he just summed it up perfectly. Everything that they've told us was bullshit. It's changed. It's metamorphosized along the way. And it's by design. They did it on purpose. They're colluding and conspiring. There is corruption in this country. And if you've been listening to my show, you know that. No, but seriously, how wrong do these politicians get to be? And how higher, you know, higher uh, in their mind they are than the rest of us plebes, proles? How high and mighty they think they are? How godlike, megalomaniac, demagogue? You know, in that clip, uh, Bill Maher was making fun of, you know, Gavin Newsom and. Uh, whatever the mayor for LA's name is, I forget his name, but you've seen him probably around social media lately. Everyone's giving these guys shit because they have these draconian mask mandates, yet here they are out in public, no mask. And, you know, there are people out there that I will not name, but you know who you are, that still support and defend these pieces of shit. And believe everything they say because they're on the the right team. They're on the right side of the aisle, right? God forbid I use logic and rational thought. God forbid uh, I exercise intellectual uh, intellectual honesty. Nope, I'm just going to lie to myself. Whatever the team leadership says goes, right? Um, But not to get redundant or anything... Uh, Take a listen to this. This clip is quite interesting. Speaking of politicians that don't believe uh, the rules apply to them, here's uh, Mayor de Blasio. I did not for a moment think there was anything problematic because I knew the dynamics. And again, I have to stay healthy so I can make the decisions for the people of the city. (laughs) So... That was Mayor de Blasio saying that uh, he was asked a question about how come your gym that you work out at is the only gym that's open right now. And it was one of the only gyms, if not the only gym, that was open in the city while they had everything locked down. Oh, well, my gym gets to stay open because I got to stay healthy and make decisions for the city. You see, people, they're cut from a different cloth than you. They see themselves as aristocrats. They see themselves as dictators, feudal lords. Maybe they even believe in divine right. Who knows? But it's not freedom, people. It's a Leviathan, out-of-control, gigantic government supported by multinational corporations, the big club, and the military-industrial complex. And until you learn that, no conversation about change 
No left-right paradigm. Oh, it's election year. Let's talk about the issues. None of those issues matter anymore, people. Everything that you're hearing in uh, the pundits debate on the mainstream media, regardless of its left-wing media or right-wing media, doesn't matter. They're all talking about nonsense. Noam Chomsky. The way you manipulate a population is you restrict what's allowed to be talked about and debated. But within that spectrum that you allow what what you allow to talk be be spoken about you allow for lively debate and that's what the media does the media lively debates topics that do not fucking matter and have absolutely nothing to do with the real world and you got to learn that people and i'm going to help you learn it right now take a listen to this guy this is the premier of Ontario, Canada. And if you haven't listened to what Trudeau has said and put his comments up against, you know, his alleged father Fidel Castro's comments, if you don't know what communist dictators believe and think and feel and most importantly act like, if you've never heard of Pol Pot, Stalin, Mao, or any other of your favorite communist dictators. You need to learn. You need to know what the alternative to freedom and a constitutional republic and the rule of law and democracy, I guess. You got to learn what it's all about. You got to learn what sovereignty means. You got to learn where your rights come from. You gotta learn that. Or else you're gonna get swept up in the wave of this brave new world order that's coming. And you're not even gonna realize it. One day you're just gonna wake up and everything you thought you knew is completely different and changed. I've told you about this before. This is just further proof. Here we go. Premier of Ontario, take a listen to what's going on up in Canada. Here we go. Today I'm using my authority as Premier of Ontario to declare a state of emergency in our province. And I will convene cabinet to use legal authorities to urgently enact orders that will make crystal clear it is illegal and punishable to block and impede the movement of goods, people, and services along critical infrastructure. Fines for noncompliance will be severe with a maximum penalty of $100,000 and up to a year imprisonment. We will also provide additional authority to consider taking away the personal and commercial licenses of anyone who doesn't comply with these orders. This will not impede the rights of Ontarians to peacefully protest. It will provide additional tools to help stop the illegal occupation of Ottawa and the Ambassador Bridge in Windsor. Ah, yes, ah, yes. You can peacefully protest, but you must comply. There will be fines and possibly jail time for non-compliance. And my fellow Americans, you better start getting used to that word, non-compliance. I guess maybe, maybe it's two words, whatever. 
You're going to hear that a lot. The word non-compliance is going to be a, a phrase or a word or whatever that is going to enter your ears quite a bit in this coming new world order. You're going to hear that term quite a bit. Non-compliance. Um, you know, and you're probably going to hear that term in the media pretty much. And I wanted to, uh, before I move on and, and keep talking about Canada, um, I wanted to run this by it. So this was, this is a clip from the Good Morning Liberty show where they are discussing, um, they're discussing a meme from this, uh, group called Alt N-O-A-A. And I'm not really sure what that, uh, group is and I'm not going to rip them up on my show. If you want to go look it up, feel free. But uh, apparently they tweeted something and then in the future they tweeted something else and it's the complete polar opposite, the complete contradictory, the complete inversion of what they previously said and it's a perfect example of what I mean when I say that you got to vet your sources, you got to pay attention to what people say, not just occasionally but repeatedly because you might learn over time that something that you thought was a reputable news source is really just shilling ideology, uh, ideology and ideological bullshit. And they're flip-flopping, being hypocrites, not uh, using the same uh, criteria to judge one party or the uh, over the other party. They're, they're, not char- uh, they're not judging both parties equally, obviously. So take a listen to this funny example. In March 25th of 2017, they said, Another Trump failure. This one, the saddest yet. We just killed hundreds of children of civilians in Iraq. Yeah. Then uh, they tweeted yesterday. It's sad when kids are killed, but... <laughs> like, I'm really sorry the kids yeah, died. Yeah. But the hard truth about these kids, they're not the type of kids who come home after school and play soccer with their friends. It's because they play football. They're the type that start killing during their childhood. Their fate was sealed anyway. Nothing could save them. Wow. It's yeah, amazing pretty good. what you can do in your mind when it's something you're in favor of. And it just, all it has to do with is who was the president. That's the only question that you're asking yourself, by the way. Who was the president? And then you go to uh, whatever your principles in the matter are after that. I kind of envy people like this who don't actually have to adhere to any principles. No, you just say whatever you need. And it's also pretty gross because you're talking about kids mm-hmm. that just got killed in a strike and saying, ah, you know what? Those kids were going to end up killing people in their childhood anyway. We should have aborted them. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. If they just would have aborted them, they wouldn't have been bombed. Okay, that's dumb believe number one. <laughs> if we were so re- so ridiculous. If they also, had access to affordable con- health care, then they would be able to have been aborted and we wouldn't have had to worry about this. I'm not condoning Trump killing civilians either. That's no. Not, not what I'm saying. We're just, this, this is dumb. <laughs> this is dumb. Yeah. Yeah, it's dumb. It's dumb that one party can say, oh, you know what? Well, when President Trump does it, it's the worst thing that ever happened in the history of the world. But when Biden's the president and he does the same thing, in this case, killing kids in war zones like Yemen and elsewhere, they gave that diatribe, well, they're probably just going to grow up and uh, be, you know, terrible people anyway. And it's just the, the mental gymnastics 
it takes to continue to believe a bullshit narrative. It's amazing. You have to do those mental gymnastics because you are unable to be intellectually honest. And this is a perfect example of that. And that's why I talk about it all the time. You don't just get to say whatever you want to say whenever you want to say it without some facts and evidence, without some history, without some research. And you don't get to say one thing and then a couple weeks or a month later, say the exact opposite just because it's politically convenient. You know, if you don't have any dignity and you don't have any self-respect and you don't care what people think about you, then this must be, apparently that's easy. Some people can degrade themselves and discredit themselves so long as, you know, they achieve their goals and, you know, if they're shilling for some big multinational company or the government or a combination of both, or the intelligence community, or whatever big club entity is doing something fucked up, just to sell it, just to cover it up, just to move on, this is why you gotta be aware of what's going on around you people. Or else you're just gonna be hoodwinked. Continuously. We gotta do something about this shit. It's getting bad. Look at what's going on in Canada. So when I played for you the Premier of Ontario saying that they're going to crack down on whatever, obviously that's in response to the uh, to the Freedom Convoy that went to Ottawa. They threatened to shut down the supply chain. You guys have obviously been hearing about it. Or maybe you haven't been hearing about it because you're paying attention to some bullshit news source. Uh, if you want to even call it news, you should be listening to this podcast and podcasts like this. But, you know, hey, if, you, if you're a big CNN fan or Fox News fan or Newsmax, oh my god, I was listening to Ted Nugent talk about the Freedom Convoy on Newsmax today, I mean, <laughs> oh man, it's 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 just kind of embarrassing that that shit is called news, it is, it's so just ideological coddling and making you feel good and ma- just re- Emphasizing and reintroducing those talking points that line up with your party leadership and boom, boom, boom. They say everything that you want. They hit all the talking points on the newscast. Yep, that's my team. That's my president. Anything they say goes. I'm going to defend them against truth and justice and honesty no matter what because that's my team and fuck the other team. (laughs) And this is how we run our country, my fellow Americans. We continue to let this two-party dichotomy bullshit system continue. I mean, and and the foundation's been laid, people. We can get back to principles. We can get back to freedom and liberty. If we want to. We can keep the republic if we want to. Or you can be a bored, apathetic... Nobody, with no motivation, no aspirations, no goals, no awareness, no desire to fix problems and solve problems, either, you know, in themselves or in this country, in the world, and in this world. 
They don't want to participate. They just want to get by. And that's the majority of you. That's just the way it is. Here we go. Here's a little bit more about Canada. Canada. Oh, Canada. And this is a cool story, actually. This is uh, apparently News Talk uh, 1010, Toronto news station, has recently had a difficult time keeping anchors and keeping uh, uh, DJs or whatever um, from staying employed there because <laughs> they won't fall in line with what the government's communist draconian dictates are. And they keep dropping like flies. And this is uh, a gentleman, I don't know his name, but he just left News Talk 1010 out of Toronto. And he had some parting words on the show, speaking some truth to power that I thought was awesome when I heard it. So take a listen to this guy leaving the news station and the show that he works for up in Canada, in Toronto, because he ain't going to fall in line with this government overreach, Orwellian, New World Order, seizing of control and power bullshit. Here we go. So many things I want to say, and, uh, you know, but there's there's a price to pay when you do. If you're not going along with what everyone else is saying, you know. This radio show sucks without another point of view. The whole media landscape sucks without another point of view. It's just like the last six months, I felt like the, the, the crazy person in media... How are we supposed to know it's happening in the world for real if the news isn't telling us? You know, like, if you think the Freedom Convoy in Ottawa is a racist movement, you have been tricked. You've been fooled. You know, this isn't about race or health or Nazi flags or masks. It's about trying to keep our children off a digital ID that will control every aspect of their lives. And radio doesn't have a history of letting you say goodbye on your last day. Um, I love you guys. Um... Love over fear. Woo! Kit Carson. Amazing. Wow. Okay, whatever you caught that at the end, the guy, something Carson uh, is the person's name. Uh, love over fear, people. I've said that a million times on my show. Bill Hicks said it in his stand-up bit. It's just a right. You got a choice between fear and love. The eyes of fear want you to fear your neighbor Lock yourself in your house, plot your ass on the couch in front of a screen so they can propagandize you and brainwash you, put bigger locks on your doors, and the eyes of love see us as all one, one people, one consciousness, one human race. You know, choose your road, right? You want to keep taking the road you know? See also Einstein's definition of insanity? Or do you want to finally choose to take the road unknown? And people, you better start paying attention to what's going on up in Canada. They're trying to get the kids on this social credit system, this guy said, where the government gets to control all aspects of your, of your lives. That's probably coming soon to the United States. And it's it's terrifying. And it's already happening in communist countries. Oh, I don't know, like communist China. Have you heard about this? 
This clip is from Exposed Politics. And I just started following them on Instagram. They have fantastic stuff. And later on today in the show, I'm going to play for you in the second segment of the show. I'm going to play for you an awesome video montage, little reminder, little refresher course of our recent contemporary history that I have talked about uh, throughout the course of this podcast. And it's going to be a nice little summation. This uh, group exposed politics, X-P-O-S-E. Expose politics. Uh, they do fantastic work. Uh, but take a listen to this clip from them on. <laughs> uh, this is terrifying, people. The Chinese Communist Social Credit System. And people, beware. It's probably coming soon to the United States. Here we go. If we see one consistency throughout all governments, it's that emergencies and major world events are almost always capitalized on by increasing government control and restricting individual liberties. 9-11 brought the Patriot Act and civilian surveillance jumped to a whole new level. The government's reaction to COVID forced hundreds of thousands of businesses to close their doors. Curfews are implemented, lockdowns enforced. These major world emergencies almost always mean increased government power. China already uses a social credit system where technology tracks everything you do and rates you based on your decisions. Criticize the government and they'll take away your ability to travel. They're constantly monitored by facial recognition cameras that are able to instantly put a face to a name. Now the Chinese are also ranked, given a mark out of a possible 950 points. It's aggregating data gathered by banks, private companies and the state to rate if someone's a good or bad citizen. We're going to rate you to see if you're a good or a bad citizen. You're going to get a social credit score. And if you step out of line and you rock the boat and you get too brave and too conspiratorial, you say the wrong thing about the ruling Communist Party, you're in trouble. You can't get bank loans. I mean, you can't get a job, I guess. Boy, that doesn't sound like you'll be a number, not a name, and everyone will be the same. Like I talk about in my song, America the Masquerade. See, this is why I don't want kids, people. The future scares the crap out of me. And take a listen uh, to this clip. This is Tim Poole uh, talking to his little panel group on his show about how he sees the same thing I see and everybody that gets it sees we are slowly marching. This world and this world order is slowly marching towards communism or some type of communist oligarchy. Like Orwell's uh, 1984, oligarchical collectivism. I think Orwell was given us the Socialist Communists' plan for the world, for their new world order in his book, 1984. He's a socialist, right? Member of a secret society, Fabian Society. And you know how the occult and the secret societies work. They have to hide in plain sight. Symbolism will be their downfall, right? People, it's not too hard to see. Take a listen to Tim Pool here. Yeah, the other thing we're seeing too, it's kind of like um, 
as an aside, but somewhat related, you see they're, they're having National Guard act as substitute teachers? Yeah. No. National Guard is being deployed to act as teachers. Where? This, in New Mexico, uh, 79 National Guard were deployed to be teachers, and they're saying there's going to be more. And I'm just like, yo, we're getting to the point where they're going to steal your money right from underneath you. Mm-hmm. Imagine what the future looks like when they can take your money away because it's digital and they control the banks and the financial institutions. Think about what the future likes when they issue a universal basic income. Everybody gets 2000 a month. The private sector has been destroyed by all these insane restrictions. All that's left are big box stores where you can buy stuff. You get a finite amount of cash. The people working at those stores are all National Guard. Sounds a whole lot like communism. Mm. Yes. I heard that they're, uh, this was a, just a one person on Twitter said that by 2026, they want to have kill switches in all cars, like remote kill I saw switches. That. Yeah. So that if you don't, are you a wrong thinker, your car turns off? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> a wrong thinker. Control of your bank account. Kill switches in cars. Social credit systems. Government control of industry and supply chains. Sounds a lot like communism's coming, doesn't it, people? Take a listen to this. Speaking of China... In a term, David, probably not very much, because, again, this is a test that reportedly, and again, all this according to a report from the Financial Times that I don't think anyone has been able to independently confirm, the test didn't exactly succeed. The missile missed its targets by, in the Financial Times' words, two dozen miles, but 25 miles, but 40 kilometers off target. That's a significant difference, depending on what target you're going to hit. So in the immediate term, it doesn't seem like it makes a big difference. But of course, it's obviously very concerning because the Chinese can obviously develop it further. And one would expect that they'll be able to conduct more tests and to be able to refine it and actually have the missile be able to hit its target. And I think the biggest set of concern is the effect of evasion, that it can evade American defense systems. And then, in effect, this test, it was itself an evasion, an evasion of the U.S. intelligence agencies, who reportedly didn't have any idea that this was going to happen and didn't have any idea that China had this capability or was developing this capability or was this far along at developing its capability. So I think that's what's raised a lot of concern in those circles quoted by the Financial Times and others is the fact that the United States didn't know about this, doesn't know how to counter it, and doesn't know where it's going. Now, given that, is this the apparent top foreign policy issue for the Biden administration at this point? China countering China? What can we tell? Of course, China's countering China is the top foreign policy issue. They're very explicit about that, including, by the way, the Pentagon spokesperson in that article, in the response to the article in the report in the Financial Times, saying China is our number one issue, our number one pacing issue in the lingo of, of the Pentagon. But certainly, China is the number one foreign policy issue for the Biden administration. They've been very explicit about it. Not necessarily in terms of a direct nuclear clash, but obviously, David, if you have this kind of capability tested, ready, and refined, where the Chinese are not yet, but where they would ultimately potentially be able to get, that's in your back pocket in every interaction with the United States. So if China were in a scenario to try to invade Taiwan, as has been discussed so much over the last few weeks, this is the backdrop to the United States decisions on how to respond with the knowledge that in a worst case scenario, China would potentially have this kind of weapon. Obviously, that changes the calculus. It means that the United States might have to be a lot more risk averse and China could then expand its sphere of influence. And obviously that plays into the wider game between the two countries. This has been a, a pattern, as you mentioned, last few weeks, so much discussion, really, uh, t- issues, uh, things happening on the ground or in the skies, I should say, around Taiwan. But uh, now this apparently ratcheting up 
situation. There was the whole issue with the nuclear submarines recently. The U.S., we'd like to see them, uh, some other open counter movements, some other response essentially to this. Where does this go? How high do the sides keep climbing on this issue? Well, look, obviously the U.S.-China tensions didn't need this report. And again, we should emphasize it is still a report. Although I think the Financial Times presents some uh, some convincing evidence that they're right, that they're right about this. Uh, but it, it, but listen, the U.S.-China tensions didn't need this to be ramped up. There are plenty of other fronts. We've seen them all over the world in the economic sphere, in the political sphere, in the security sphere. And that obviously isn't going to go away. In terms of nuclear weapons, what I think would be called for is some kind of arms control agreement or discussion between the two countries. But that hasn't gone anywhere so far. Obviously, this is an issue that's here for the long term. The question is, will the Chinese see it as being in their interest to try to get into some kind of arms control agreement with the United States and with Russia? Uh, one of the many open questions in terms of how this relationship, the all-important relationship of the 21st century, is going to be managed. Well, Alterman, thanks for the breakdown of the latest. Okay, so that was a news report uh, that aired shortly after China launched some crazy rocket with awesome capability that apparently the United States government military didn't know about. And who knows if it uh, could have carried a nuclear weapon? Probably, but who knows? This escalates tensions. You know, the media is just, there's just selling another war. Chinese tensions. And China's a communist country. We've been over this uh, a lot. You got to wake up, people. This stuff's happening. Got to be aware of what's going on. And, you know, I ran. I guess I guess it's not anything to worry about if they nuke us because uh, I read somewhere once upon a time that the blast power from a nuclear weapon uh, would vaporize your body so fast that you would be gone before your brain could even process what was happening to you. So getting nuked out of existence is actually not a terrible way to go. Uh, I know that's a weird, morbid uh, thought, but I took some comfort in that when I read that once upon a time. <laughs> if we get nuked, people, you won't feel a thing. They'll just be gone all of a sudden, and that'll be that. Um, so speaking of the Financial Times uh, that this guy brought up in this clip, and the, uh, previously they talked about the... Uh, currency system and the social currency and the universal basic income and the government controlling your money because uh, apparently they're going to default on it, all the Ponzi schemes, yada yada that I talked about in previous podcasts. I mean, it's starting to look like it's a big plan with many facets that has been enacted uh, starting with 9-11 and uh, has been moving right along with covid uh, you're going to see a lot of changes in the 21st century in your life, uh, if I had to guess, my fellow Americans. Is it too late to do anything about it? Maybe. Does that mean you should uh, not pay attention to it and uh, remain ignorant and unaware of it? Absolutely not. But... I mean, even your money and your ability to buy stuff is going to be affected by this. You probably want to get knowledgeable. Because as soon as it starts affecting your life, then you're going to wish that you would have known. And that you would have 
done some research and looked into this and gained some awareness about the world around you and your immediate surroundings with regard to government and politics and power player corporations and hidden agendas and conspiracies, etc. You probably want to have a base knowledge. And take a listen to this. This is from some crypto group on Facebook. This guy posted this uh, comment uh, that allegedly Jerome Powell, the Fed chair, just uh, said not too long ago with regard to uh, federal cryptocurrency or some type of electronic form of currency. Uh, Take a listen to this. Good morning, XRP community. You guys better get ready for this one. Jerome Powell just stated that the a central bank digital cur- currency, a CBDC, would eliminate the need for all other digital currencies or basically all the altcoins. So in my opinion, again, not financial advice, I would be getting rid of all of your altcoins, anything that doesn't have a store of value, and I'd be putting it onto a ledger, ASAP. Okay, so that's a little advice uh, from that guy on all you crypto people out there. Oh, what a world, what a country, what a planet, right? This shit just keeps getting better and better and better. And then apparently, I had this clip laying around, uh, I hadn't played it yet on the show, uh, but you know, just in the spirit of government control and the new tech world era uh, infiltrating your life small uh, usurpation slowly but surely yada 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 etc 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 right take a listen to this uh, clip about the coming smart home well, we have played with this refrigerator, and it's it's a really interesting device because manufacturers have tried to make a smart home refrigerator for a long time, mm. and nobody's been interested. But this one takes a different approach, has a very large screen that essentially replaces all the little bits of paper that you would stick with magnets onto your fridge, and then has cameras inside the refrigerator so that you can see from the front of the fridge or from your phone when you're at the store Mm. what's inside the refrigerator. So it could make grocery shopping easier. Yes, it has some online shopping built in. You can order some products from the refrigerator. Uh, It also shows you your family calendars. Let's talk about Amazon's Echo, because I love her voice, Alexa. Mm. I love how she speaks. Yeah, Alexa, I love how she speaks. How can she help us with a smart home? Well, we use this device to set up lots of different configurations of lights in the home. And actually, Alexa and this whole product work very well as a hub for the smart home. So... Amazon has been very open about what can connect with this device. You can use it to operate your light bulbs. You can use it to operate things like garage doors. You can use it to operate fans. And music system. Music. It is a music system. It's a Bluetooth speaker. Mm -hmm. And the thing that's so perfect about it is that it works for anybody in your home. So if you have a four-year-old who doesn't have a smart home, your four-year-old can can do things. You can also use it to, to take care of family uh, tasks. So Charlie like, has one. Like, he he talks to Alexa every morning, it. right? Every there, it does a lot of things. Here's, from the here's, bed. Here's yeah. one example. What do you say um, to Alexa? What do you say to her? From the bed. From the bed. What do you say? What do you say? What's the weather? Oh, what's the weather? What's the news? 
Uh-huh. Play me some whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Amazon crazy. Yes. So this will... Alexa, Amazon crazy. <laughs> <laughs> She'll remember that. Yes. I'm sure. Uh, this little guy, it's thirty-five dollars. This is a battery, but it's a Wi-Fi battery that you can plug into any smoke detector. So what we, one of the things that we realized about the smart home when we tested more than 40 categories of devices is that you can start really simple. If you're overwhelmed by the idea of a smart home, you can buy a $35 device that you plug into any smoke detector, and then from my phone, mm-hmm. I can see whether or not my smoke detector has alarmed, and it'll tell me if the battery is low. <laughs> Alexa, can you lock all the doors in my home and protect me from the government that's on their way to arrest me for non-compliance? No, I can't because uh, I am a product of the company Amazon. I am Alexa, and it's my job to monitor you. Uh, Jeff Bezos has a government contract with the CIA, and they're going to monitor you in your home. They're going to listen to everything you say. They're going to eventually access a camera so that they can spy on you. (laughs) People, the richest, most powerful people in this world are creating tech. And they're creating tech that they're going to use to control us. The big club's going to control the tech. And they're going to uh, innovate it over time. Slowly but surely, and it's going to grow over time with AI, To the, I'm sure, to the point where you're going to be a pod in some gelatinous goo with a bunch of cords and stuff stuck in your body, plugged into the metaverse matrix, and you're a battery for the machines. The machines are bringing you into this world, loading you into the matrix, That's the future. It's like a Black Mirror episode is coming. Social social credit scores, central bank currency, defaulting on Ponzi schemes and uh, economies going up in flames. America allegedly going to become a third world country by 2025. 237 million Americans are allegedly going to die. The Deagle forecast says so who are affiliate you know and they're affiliated with government contractors CIA intelligence community government yada yada military industrial complex etc 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 is a picture forming for you my fellow americans is my show helping you understand is my show helping you see the light Is my show helping you to wake up from your Matrix world plugged in slumber? Constantly focusing on the show instead of focusing on and seeking out and discovering the reality. What kind of person do you want to be? And what kind of world do you want to live in? If you don't start making those decisions for yourself, my fellow Americans, and, you know, my fellow humans of the world, actually, then guess what? A small group 
of very wealthy, powerful people are going to start making those decisions for you. Are you ready for that? Are you ready to sign over your sovereignty to the big club? I highly suggest you start thinking about it, my fellow Americans. You know why? Because it's coming. I'm going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about uh, this exposed politics video. Uh, that is a fantastic summation of uh, prior presidencies, the intelligence community, the coming Brave New World Order, 9-11, George W. Bush, Bohemian Grove, a lot of the big clubs, secret societies. Just going to give you a nice little rundown. A couple opinions from some prior military guys. I found it to be very... Uh, a very good all-encompassing summation of the past 20 to 30 years in our country's history. So we're going to cover that when we come back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What I'm going to play for you right now is a video by Expose Politics on Instagram. I think they have a Facebook page too. And this is going to be a refresher course from 9-11 to present day and a few things that have happened in between that will give you a little bit of perspective so without further ado, take a listen to this awesome video entitled, What is the New World Order? A new world order. Create a, a new world order. It was a phrase that I often use myself, that we needed a new world order. Can it really be said that we're building a new world order? A new world order. We have a real chance at this new world order. When really a new world order can be created. It is a big idea. A, a new, new world, world order. order. Okay, so real quick, right there, all those voices you, you just heard were... George H.W. Bush, Joe Biden, Bill Clinton, Tony Blair, John Kerry, and Henry Kissinger. Okay, let's keep it going. What is the New World Order? 
President Bush Sr. proudly spoke of the New World Order, Ron a term Paul. used by those who promote one world government under the United Nations. New World Order, a term used by those who promote one world government under the United Nations. When we are successful, and we will be, we have a real chance at this New World Order, an order in which a credible United Nations can use its peacekeeping role to fulfill the promise and vision of the UN's founders. Before we begin, it's important you know that everything in this video is already widely available and public. The only thing unique is the collection of information being in one single place. My goal is that this will contribute to at least a single person's understanding of the New World Order and governments, their militaries, secret societies, intelligence agencies, and a host of other parties all play a role. Hopefully this video can offer someone a firm and facts-based foundation in this area. I worked hard on it. Hope you enjoy. Chair recognizes the gentleman from Texas, Mr. Paul. Mr. Speaker, uh, President Bush Sr. proudly spoke of the New World Order, a term used by those who promote one world government under the United Nations. In going to war in 1991, he sought and received UN authority to push Iraqi forces out of Kuwait. The first Persian Gulf War, therefore, was clearly a UN political war fought within UN guidelines, not for US security, and it was not fought through to victory. The bombing, sanctions, and harassment of the Iraqi people have never stopped. I have argued for years against our membership in the United Nations because it compromises our sovereignty. I contend that membership in the United Nations has led to impractical military conflicts that were highly costly both in lives and dollars and that were rarely resolved. Chapter 1, Military Industrial Complex Wars are a result of lies. The Iraq War famously is a result of lies. Julian Assange simply stated there is no doubt that Saddam Hussein now has weapons of mass destruction. Dick Cheney. The architects of that Iraq war uh, sold it in the guise of, hey, Saddam Hussein is working with Al-Qaeda, those terrorists who attacked us on 9-11, and Gabbard. he's going to give them his weapons of mass destruction, both of which turned out to be false, false intelligence and lies that were sold to the American people, sold to soldiers, people like me. Uh, who, who believed what they said. There is no doubt that he is amassing them to use them against our friends, against our allies, and against us. They sold this lie uh, for financial gain, for oil. To share with you what the United States knows about Iraq's weapons of mass destruction, as well as Iraq's involvement in terrorism. Both of which turned out to be false. False intelligence and lies that were sold Although this is referred to as the second Persian Gulf War, it's merely a continuation of a war started long ago and is likely to continue for a long time even after Saddam Hussein is removed from power. You know, I enlisted after 9-11, like so many people in this country, to go after the terrorists who had attacked us on that day, killing thousands of Americans. And six to eight trillion dollars is what's estimated that's been spent since 9-11 alone on these regime change wars. Our enemies are innovative and resourceful, and so are we. They never stop thinking about new ways to harm our country and our people, and neither do we. False flag operations, if you go through history, happen all the time before these wars. Jesse. A false flag is a covert operation designed to deceive. 
They li- I'm a Vietnam veteran, and they lied to me about the Gulf of Tonkin incident. And that was the false flag operation that put us into the Vietnam War, where 58,000 of my generation were killed. The Vietnam War and the push for U.S. involvement was a result of the Gulf of Tonkin incident. A lie. That false flag attacks are real, and they have happened throughout history. When you look into like Operation Northwoods, and you find out that the government really was planning false flag attacks. Operation Northwoods was a U.S. government plan of orchestrated terror attacks on its own citizens. The false flag operation with the intention of starting a war with Cuba. The idea that you were going to attack American civilians, that you were going to arm Cuban friendlies and attack Guantanamo Bay, that you were going to blow up a drone airliner, these were all proposed things. The plan signed by the Joint Chiefs of Staff involved shooting and bombing U.S. civilians, attacking Guantanamo Bay, and shooting down a drone airliner. So why would elements of the U.S. military want to attack itself and innocent Americans? Well, by committing terror attacks on its own people and framing Castro, U.S. intelligence would have the public support needed to justify military intervention in Cuba. Thanks to no other than JFK, Operation Northwoods was never implemented. These terror attacks were one single executive signature away from becoming reality. Following presentation of the Northwoods plan, Kennedy fired the Joint Chiefs of Staff, General Lemnitzer. Kennedy was not willing to con the American public into a pointless war, but are all presidents like this? Great question. Kennedy was increasingly unpopular with some of the most powerful and corrupt institutions. The president was quoted saying he desired to splinter the CIA into a thousand pieces. In Executive Order 11110, he famously tried to take the U.S. off of Federal Reserve notes and into a silver-backed currency system. Mm. President Kennedy was challenging the military-industrial complex, the CIA, and the Federal Reserve. And basically every president uh, since Kennedy, um, they have been successful in uh, what they call fearing up. The intelligence community wants to assassinate somebody. They want to run this illegal program here, there, or everywhere. Um, And they can't do it because they're executive agencies without that top-level executive sign-off. If you've got the IC uh, against you, right, uh, they can stonewall you. They can put out stories that are going to be problematic for you. Uh, This is Edward Snowden. Every day of your presidency. But it's a problem that as a president, you very much don't want. Not only was JFK challenging the CIA, Federal Reserve, and military, but his 1961 speech to the press directly attacks a, quote, monolithic conspiracy whose dissenters are silenced. You've heard that before? While the Warren Commission and media found that Lee Harvey Oswald killed Kennedy alone, the House of Representatives Select Committee on Assassinations found a high probability that two gunmen fired at President Kennedy. It also found Kennedy was probably assassinated as a result of conspiracy. You ever heard the Kennedy speech about secret societies? Uh-uh. It's fucking creepy. When, he, when it turns out that he eventually gets murdered, it's creepy. Ladies and gentlemen, the very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, 
inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. And there is very grave danger that an announced need for increased security will be seized upon by those anxious to expand its meaning to the very limits of official censorship and concealment. Mm -hmm. That I do not intend to permit to the extent that it's in my control. So what is the New World Order? A monolithic and ruthless conspiracy. It is a system which has conscripted vast human and material resources into the building of a tightly knit, highly efficient machine that combines military, diplomatic, intelligence, economic, scientific, and political operations. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. Chapter 2, Secret Societies. So this is place, Bohemian Grove. There, all the elites would go there and they would engage in these occult rituals. This is in America? Yeah. What is the Bohemian Grove? Well, it's a kind of summer camp for the powerful. An all-male gathering in great secrecy. The gathering is packed with oil tycoons, politicians, business leaders, and foreign diplomats who all make the pilgrimage to this yearly Redwood campout. Presidents Nixon, Reagan, and George W. Bush all attended the Grove before they graced the Oval Office. Even media bigwigs are a staple, with the likes of the Hearst Dynasty and Walter Cronkite, now replaced with Rupert Murdoch, along with CEOs from CNN and Fox, David Rockefeller, and Henry Kissinger. I don't think... Uh, okay, real quick. Walter Cronkite, people. I celebrated him as one of the last real newsmen in a previous podcast. Guess what? Turns out, he goes to Bohemian Grove... He's in on the big club. Or he was, rather. I didn't know that. That scares the shit out of me. Here we go. I think there would be anybody of any importance in America uh, who was missing from that list. Your typical warmongers, George Bush Sr., Colin Powell, and your, your typical Republican... This is Mark Dice. Even the idea for the Manhattan Project, which led to the creation of the atom bomb, came out of the Grove in 1942. Reagan and Nixon talked at length in 1967 in the Grove to decide who would go first in Republican primaries. So this is Richard Nixon saying that he went to the Grove and he said that it's a really gay event. He used a different term, obviously. And he says he won't shake hands uh, with anybody from San Francisco. So uh, Nixon, not a big fan of the LGBTQ community. The Bohemian Club... Did you say the Bohemian Club? 
That's where all those rich Republicans go up and stand naked against redwood trees, right? I've never been to the Bohemian Club, but you ought to go. It'd be good for you. Get some fresh air. <laughs> like you never been there. <clears throat> Former presidents go, top top ranking generals and heads of state and bankers and famous artists. They go to this place and they they do occult rituals. They perform occult rituals. Well, they're they're chanting crazy shit and they're putting hoods on and they're burning an effigy that's supposed to be a sacrificial person, but it's straw in a bundle. And they you do imagine it doing them. that. And they talk no, about the owl god Moloch. Okay, really? these are multimillionaires. Look at this. Okay, so real quick. This is about to get good. So that's probably one of the episodes that Spotify pulled of Rogan. That's Joe Rogan talking about this stuff on his show. And they're about to get into some footage. I don't know if you guys know this, but Alex Jones back in the day got into Bohemian Grove, filmed, got some video, got some audio. And apparently he's going to talk to some guy that was there later, and this guy doesn't realize that Alex Jones saw the whole situation. So he's going to try to play it off, and then he's going to get pissed at Alex Jones for breaking the code and agreeing to be quiet about certain things. And he says, I disrespect you for that. Check this out. This is a hidden footage that John Ronson and Alex Jones got from Bohemian Grove in like the fucking late 90s. That summer sets us free. Sit. Midsummer sets us free. And if it wasn't for Alex releasing that video, I think most people would think that's nonsense. But when you see that video, you have to go, okay, what is this? What is going on? Are they really dressing up? Is this really an occult ritual? What is this? A ritual where participants sacrifice and burn a human effigy. Bohemian Grove member David Gergen, presidential advisor to Richard Nixon, Gerald Ford, Ronald Reagan, and Bill Clinton, was asked about the secret society. His response is very revealing. One last question. I read a Washington Times article many years ago where you had a comment about the organization, and then now it's been in the Wall Street Journal, it's been in a lot of different newspapers, and that's the Bohemian Grove. And back in, what was it, 1996 when you joined uh, as a Clinton advisor, they were, the Republicans were criticizing you, oh, what about Bohemian Grove? And then, you counter, uh, and then you countered them by saying, hey, I don't run around in the woods naked. What did that mean? Here is the before-mentioned Washington Times article where he said, I didn't run around naked like they do. I don't. I don't know what. I don't know what quote you're referring to. I'm not aware of any quote like that. Uh, listen, uh, I am a, a, a happy member of the Bohemian Grove. I like the, the folks who come there, oh. and uh, it's really inappropriate for me to uh, talk about a uh, uh, the group beyond that. Oh, have you been there for the ceremony with uh, the cremation of care? Uh, frankly, that's, uh, that I don't think that's something I need to talk to you about. Live footage. Have you been there for the ceremony with uh, the cremation of care? Uh, frankly, that's, uh, that uh, I don't think that's something I need to talk to you about. Really? That's right. Well, I'm Alex Jones, and I snuck in there in 2000. I'm the guy that blew it wide open and got the video. It's been on national TV. Well, I disrespect you for that. 
You do? I do. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of big public officials going in there. You don't we deserve to know? You took it under, I don't know anything about you, and I don't know anything about your film. But if you go in there with an understanding, you violated that understanding by releasing that film, and I don't respect you for that. Really? Wow. You, you, I'm sorry, public? you took an understanding when you went in there that you would not do that film. And you did, did you have an understanding when you went in there? No. Did you crash it? Yes. Yeah, and it has no trespassing signs there, too, doesn't it? No, they put them yes, after. Oh, I'm I sorry. I'm sorry, sir. I've been there before. I know what I want the circumstances are, and I'm sorry you uh, violated the understandings. That was not that was not a gentlemanly thing to do. But what about the ritual? Is the ritual gentlemanly? Live footage. Sir, everything. I, you, I, I, don't, I don't owe you this comment. I know. You, you, you have. You. This is what's called ambush journalism, and I disrespect you for that as well. So thank have you, you ever and goodbye. Been the ritual? That's none of your damn business. Wow. Oh. Listen, listen. You go around and, and make understandings with people and violate them. You, you ambush people on the streets, and that's, that's an inappropriate form of journalism. If you wish to practice that, that's fine. But don't ask others to respect you for it. If you, want to, you, you can do it. You're a free American like anything you want. If you want to be uncivil and rude and ungentlemanly, that's up to you. But don't expect the rest well, of us to say, oh, well, you're there, Mr. Gergen. I'm sorry. Nobody says policy in there. We try to be gentlemen, and obviously you don't belong there. Weaving spiders come out here? <laughs> yeah. That is a three-pointer. Woo. Ha-ha. <laughs> so have you heard of Bohemian Grove? have not not really no not at all i don't have a clue no no i'm afraid i don't the world's most powerful players uh, get together and discuss policy party and also do mock sacrificial rituals together oh no that's an that's basically first news that i heard i heard about it i don't think it's cool at all i don't think it's on no that's scary that's really scary it's also just a new whole order nobody can really fight it and it's completely different than ours secret societies you know like that there was a lot of these like skull and bones type things that like george w bush was in in fact george bush's family is full of skull and bones men including his dad george herbert walker and his grandfather prescott w bush also appointed 10 members of the elite clique to his administration in the 2004 presidential election both the republican and democrat candidates were members of skull and bones you were both in skull and bones the secret society it's so sacred we can't talk about it. What does that mean for America? The conspiracy theorists are going to go wild. I'm sure they are. I don't know. I haven't seen the web. Number 322. <laughs> <laughs> you both were members of Skull and Bones, the secret society of Yale. What does that tell us? Uh, not much, because it's a secret. <laughs> Is there a secret handshake? Is there a secret code? I wish there were something secret I could manifest. 322, secret number? Uh, there are all kinds of secrets, Tim, but one thing is not a secret. I disagree with this president's direction that he's taking the country. We can do a better job, and I intend to do it. As strange as their response is to any questioning about the uber-exclusive fraternity, what's even stranger is the rituals they perform inside. According to the Scotsman, a Scottish newspaper, initiates must masturbate in a coffin while recounting their sexual exploits, for which they will be rewarded with a no-strings-attached gift of $15,000. She was part of a team that successfully recorded part of the initiation ceremony that takes place in the tomb's courtyard. Okay, so this is going to be some footage that uh, somebody got of initiation ceremonies going on inside the facility or the fraternity house or whatever it is uh 
on, I think it's Yale campus. So here we go. Okay, you have the doorway here. Yeah, so that's where they have the ceremonies. In the the outdoor part of it. Part of it was indoors. So we only got to see the outdoor part. Right. We only got to, and, and to listen to the outdoor part. God only knows what went on indoors. And what did you hear? What, what was it you know? You managed to get this unique Oh, it was disgusting. It. it was gross. I mean, they were pretending to murder people. And what was the tone of it, though? Was it, was it jokey? Or was it no, it wasn't jokey at all. It was, it was sick. It's about the only thing to describe it. It was sick. What you're hearing is the first recording ever made of the Skull and Bones initiation ceremony. It has never been broadcast before. Fifteen new members of the club are being introduced into the macabre rituals of Skull and Bones by the senior students who are about to graduate. The club has what some might see as a strange fascination with death, skulls and bones. There's the chance too, difficult to hear first of all, but including the devil equals death, death equals death. This is an elaborate, occult, ritualistic entry into this group. Skull and Bones members include the founder of FedEx, the founder of National Review, the founder of Time Life Media, the founder of Morgan Stanley, the founder of Brown Brothers and Harriman Bank, the founder of Pan American Airways, the founder of the Pittsburgh Penguins, founder of the New York Mets, 26 U.S. congressmen, 18 U.S. senators, 15 U.S. governors, four secretaries of state, three U.S. presidents, and five CIA agents, including a director of the CIA. It's so sacred we can't talk about it. What does that mean for America? Chapter 3, Intelligence Agencies. Do you have any people... Okay, this is from the church committee, and I want you to pay very close attention to this. This is the House Intelligence Committee hearing 1975, where the they, the CIA admits that they have operatives feeding stories to different media organizations. One of them was uh, Buckley from National Review. Take a listen. Being paid by the CIA who are contributing to a major circulation American journal. We do have people who submit pieces to other two American journals. We do have people who submit pieces to American journals. That CIA director at the time, Colby. Do you have any people paid by the CIA? who are working for television networks. Do you have anybody paid by the CIA who are working for television networks? And his answer is... Uh, at CBS, uh, we uh, had them. This is Sig Mickelson of CBS News. At CBS, we had been contacted by the CIA. Contacted by the CIA. As a matter of fact, by the time I became the head of the whole news and public affairs operation in 1954, ships had been established, and I was told about them and asked if I'd carry on with them. Relationships had been established back in 1954. 
Yeah. And they asked him if he'd carry on with them. Yeah, I would think probably. Operation Mockingbird was a fully implemented CIA program to manipulate the media and influence public opinion. CIA Director William Colby testified to the House Intelligence Committee that over 400 CIA agents were active in the U.S. media, influencing public discourse. This would mean that the CIA could manipulate the news in the United States. Skull and Bones member William Buckley was a... Skull and Bones member William Buckley. A CIA agent and also founded the National Review magazine. We do have people who submit pieces to other two American journals. Media manipulation is only the beginning. The CIA also conducted illegal scientific research on human subjects for mind control. George Hunter White, a larger-than-life undercover federal narcotics agent. Unbeknownst to his supervisors, White also works for this... Really quick, you've seen this before. I mean, you've heard this before. I've played this for you in a previous podcast. This goes back to that show talking about the CIA and Frank Olson and how did Frank Olson fall out of the window. We're going to dose everyone with LSD and see if we can manipulate their minds. MK Ultra, here we go. CIA. His job to conduct experiments for an operation called Midnight Climax. George had a CIA safe house stocked with booze. George would sit behind this one-way mirror drinking martinis. White pays prostitutes to lure their clients to the agency's safe house. Hookers would bring these suckers back to the apartment and dose them with pure LSD-25. This is where I have my effect. In the mind. Operation Midnight Climax is part of a larger top-secret CIA program called MKUltra. The goal, learn how to control and even reprogram people's minds. The CIA believes LSD might hold the key. Over the next 10 years, the agency doses a cross-section of the American public. Everyone from unwitting housewives to soldiers. Now, perhaps the most haunting aspect of intelligence agencies is the evidence that billionaire pedophile Jeffrey Epstein was an intelligence asset himself. We know this because the first time Epstein was arrested and got that ridiculous plea deal, U.S. Attorney of Southern Florida Alex Acosta said he made that deal because, quote, I was told Epstein belonged to intelligence and to leave it alone. What? Acosta said he was told to back off the crimes and that Epstein was above his pay grade. <laughs> now, which intelligence agency Acosta is referring to is unknown. However, many speculate Mossad Israeli intelligence because Ghislaine Maxwell's father was a Mossad spy. Mm. It's safe to say that government and intelligence at some level was very aware of Epstein and Maxwell's behavior. The real question is if their role as intelligence agents was to gather blackmail on powerful people who had sex with these underage girls. We have seen how the ruling class lies to start wars, engages in occult behavior in secret societies, and works with intelligence agencies as a means of control. What you're probably wondering is where this all leads to, where this is going. Well, it looks like the ruling class wants a one-world government, centralized power, increased surveillance, and definitely censorship of free speech. If we see one consistency throughout all governments, it's that emergencies and major world events are almost always capitalized on by increasing government control and restricting individual liberties. 9-11 brought the Patriot Act and civilian surveillance jumped to a whole new level. The 
government's reaction to COVID forced hundreds of thousands of businesses to close their doors. Curfews are implemented, lockdowns enforced. These major world emergencies almost always mean increased government power. China already uses a social credit system where technology tracks everything you do and rates you based on your decisions. Criticize the government and they'll take away your ability to travel. They're constantly monitored by facial recognition cameras that are able to instantly put a face to a name. Now the Chinese are also ranked, given a mark out of a possible 950 points. A score in the 700s is considered good, around the 500 mark is not. It's aggregating data gathered by banks, private companies and the state to rate if someone's a good or bad citizen. The state will go over every detail of a person's life with a fine-tooth comb. Their financial situation, spending habits, career, even behavior on social media. Criticizing the government online or displaying outward signs of wealth is a no-no. On the other hand, praising the party or giving blood increases your social credit. A good school brings benefits, but people with low scores lose rights. The cinema names and shames people considered untrustworthy plastering their details, even their addresses, across big screens. What? The Supreme Court has created a blacklist for so-called bad citizens, those whose ratings have dropped to zero. Wow. On it are companies, but also 23 million people to date. Among them is this journalist Liu Hu. He got a little too close to uncovering corruption among high-profile party members. After being sued for defamation by the subject of a story he'd written, he was blacklisted. He only realized when he tried to buy a train ticket and was told he was banned from traveling. That tells me I'm still on the blacklist. Punished because he's been branded untrustworthy by the state. Once you're blacklisted, you can no longer get a bank loan, start a business, buy an apartment, or even send your children to a private school. Yu Hu is among a tiny minority of people who have dared to criticize the system, which some are calling a digital dictatorship. I worry because I think many people like me will be deprived of individual freedoms, and all of us will live with restrictions of one kind or another. If you think this is far from happening in other countries, think about how conspiracy theorists are already censored and silenced. Corporations like Twitter and Facebook already blacklist people thinking outside the mainstream narrative. Although we are headed in this direction, it does not have to be our future. The most important thing we can do now is share information and wake up others, like this Iraq war veteran does right here. So when I first joined the army, uh, we were told that racism no longer existed in the military. And then September 11th happened, and I began to hear new words like, Towelhead and camel jockey, and the most disturbing. And racism could no longer mask the reality of the occupation. These were people, these were human beings. I've since been plagued by guilt anytime I see an elderly man, like the one who couldn't walk, and we rolled onto his stretcher and told the Iraqi police to take him away. I feel guilt anytime I see a mother with her children, like the one who cried hysterically and screamed that we are worse than Saddam as we forced her from her home. I feel guilt anytime I see a young girl like the one I grabbed by the arm and dragged him to the street. We were told we were fighting terrorists. The real terrorist was me, and the real terrorism is this occupation. Those who send us to war do not have to pull a trigger or lob a mortar round. They do not have to fight the war, they merely have to sell the war. 
They need a public who is willing to send their soldiers into harm's way. They need soldiers who are willing to kill and be killed without question. They can spend millions on a single bomb, but that bomb only becomes a weapon when the ranks in the military are willing to follow orders to use it. They can send every last soldier anywhere on earth, but there will only be a war if soldiers are willing to fight. And the ruling class, the billionaires who profit from human suffering, care only about expanding their wealth, controlling the world economy, understand that their power lies only in their ability to convince us that war, oppression, and exploitation is in our interest. Soldiers, sailors, marines, airmen have nothing to gain from this occupation. The vast majority of people living in the U.S. have nothing to gain from this occupation. In fact, not only do we have nothing to gain, but we suffer more because of it. We lose limbs, endure trauma, and give our lives. Our families have to watch flag-draped coffins lowered into the earth. Millions in this country without health care, jobs, or access to education must watch this government squander over $450 million a day on this occupation. Poor and working people in this country are sent to kill poor and working people in another country to make the rich richer. And without racism, soldiers would realize that they have more in common with the Iraqi people than they do with the billionaires who send us to war. Mm-mm. We need to wake up and realize that our real enemies are not in some distant land. They're not people whose names we don't know and cultures we don't understand. The enemy is people we know very well and people we can identify. The enemy is a system that wages war when it's profitable. Our enemy is not 5,000 miles away. They are right here at home. If we organize and fight with our sisters and brothers, we can stop this war, we can stop this government, and we can create a better world. Bam. and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. Subscribe to Expose Politics. And at the end of that video, it says, share the truth, share this video. Lots of very, very important, informative Recent history is every conspiracy theory bullshit? No. Is every conspiracy theory absolutely true? No. Are there some things that are probably true based on first-hand experiences, first-hand accounts, facts, evidence, etc.? Yes. Yes. Now, I want to give you guys a little bit more recent history. I'm going to paint a very interesting chronology for you right now. Back in 2007, the year that my band Nonprofit released our Catalyst EP that I'm currently doing a feature uh, of that EP on the show. Today I'm going to play a song for you called Vigil that I wrote uh, when I was thinking about 9-11. But also in 2007, the Zeitgeist videos started circulating. And they covered a lot of the same stuff that this Exposed Politics uh, from the Exposed Network, uh, the video I just got done playing for you. Very similar subject matter was in these Zeitgeist videos. Okay? Okay. 
And what I want to start with is at the end of the first Zeitgeist video, there's a gentleman named Mr. Russo, uh, who was a friend of one of the Rockefellers. And his friendship with the Rockefeller uh, ended because at some point during their friendship, uh, Mr. Rockefeller told Mr. Russo the plan for the future, the plan for the world. This occurred, this video came out in 2007, my fellow Americans. So let's start. I'm about to, to paint you guys a picture, and I want to start with this video. Here we go. This is Aaron Russo, a filmmaker and former politician. To his left is Nicholas Rockefeller of the infamous Rockefeller banking and business dynasty. After maintaining a close friendship with Nicholas Rockefeller, Aaron eventually ended the relationship, appalled by what he had learned about the Rockefellers and their ambitions. Uh, I got a call one day from um, an attorney woman I knew, and she said, would you like to meet one of the Rockefellers? I said, sure, I'd love to. And uh, we became friends, and um, he began to divulge a lot of things to me. So he said to me one night, he said that uh, there's going to be an event there, and and out of that event, you're going to see, we're going to go into Afghanistan. So we run pipelines from the Caspian Sea. We're going to go into Iraq to take the oil and establish a base in the Middle East. And we're going to go into Venezuela and, and try and get, and get rid of Chavez. And uh, the first two they've accomplished, Chavez they didn't accomplish. And uh, so you're going to see guys going into caves looking for, <laughs> looking for people uh, that they're never going to find. You know, he was laughing about the fact that you have this war. On terror, there's no real enemy. He's talking about how by having this war on terror, you can never win it because this is, so it's an eternal war. And so you can always keep taking people's liberties away. And I said, how are you going to convince people that this war is real? He said, but the media. The media can convince everybody it's real. I mean, you know, it's just that you keep talking about things. You keep saying it over and over and over again. And eventually people believe it. You know, you created the Federal Reserve in 1913 through lies. You create 9-11, which is another lie. Through 9-11, then you're fighting a war on terror. And now all of a sudden you go into Iraq, which was another lie. And now they're going to do Iran. You know, and it's so one thing leading to another, leading to another, leading to another. Now I would say, to him, Why do you, what are you doing this for? What, what, what's the point of this thing? You have all the money in the world you ever want. You have all the power. I said, you know, you're hurting people. It's, it's not a good thing. And he would say, what do you care about the people for? Take care of yourself and you take care of your family. And then I said to him, What's the ultimate, what are the ultimate goals here? He said, the ultimate, the, goal, the ultimate goal is to get everybody in this world chipped with the, with the RFID chip and uh, have all money be on those chips and everything on those chips. And if anybody wants to protest what we do or violate what we want, we just turn off that chip. That's right, microchipped. In 2005, Congress, under the pretense of immigration control and the so-called War on Terrorism, passed the Real ID Act, under which it is projected by May 2008, you will be required to carry around a federal identification card, which includes on it a scannable barcode with your personal information. However, this barcode is only an intermediary step before the card is equipped with a Verichip RFID tracking module which will use radio frequencies to track your every move on the planet. 
If this sounds foreign to you, please note that the RFID tracking chip is already in all new American passports. And the final step is the implanted chip, which many people have already been manipulated into accepting under different pretenses. We have a Florida family who are really pioneers in a brave new world. They have volunteered to be the first ever to have microchip identification devices implanted into their body. After 9-11, I was really concerned um, with the security of my family. I wouldn't mind having something planted permanently in my arm that would identify me. In the end, everybody will be locked into a monitored control grid where every single action you perform is documented. And if you get out of line, they can just turn off your chip, for at that point in time, every single aspect of society will revolve around interactions with the chips. This is the picture that is painted for the future if you open your eyes to see it. A centralized one-world economy where everyone's moves and everyone's transactions are tracked and monitored, all rights removed. The most incredible aspect of all. These totalitarian elements will not be forced upon the people the people will demand them. For the social manipulation of society through the generation of fear and division has completely detached humans from their sense of power and reality. A process which has been going on for centuries if not millennia. Religion, patriotism, race, wealth, class, and every other form of arbitrary separatist identification and thus conceit has served to create a controlled population utterly malleable in the hands of the few Divide and conquer is the motto, and as long as people continue to see themselves as separate from everything else, they lend themselves to being completely enslaved. The men behind the curtain know this, and they also know that if people ever realize the truth of their relationship to nature, and the truth of their personal power, the entire manufactured zeitgeist they prey upon will collapse like a house of cards. The whole system that we live in drills into us that we're powerless, that we're weak, that our society is evil, that it's crime-ridden, etc. and so forth. It's all a big fat lie. We are powerful, beautiful, extraordinary. There is no reason why we cannot understand who we truly are, where we are going. There is no reason why the average individual cannot be fully empowered. We are incredibly powerful beings. You know, I think I spent 30 years of my life, in the first 30, trying to become something. I wanted to become good at things. I wanted to become good at tennis. I wanted to become good at school and grades. And, and everything I kind of viewed in that perspective. I'm not okay the way I am, but if I got good at things, you realize that I had the game wrong. The game was to find out what I already was. Find out what I already was. The game isn't to find out what you might become. The game was to find out what you already were. And one thing I found out about myself throughout the years is that I'm really good at painting pictures by putting events into a chronological order. So with that zeitgeist piece that you just listened to, people, keep in mind, that came out in 2007. So if that's the first time you ever heard that information, 
that Mr. Russo just divulged about his relationship with one of the Rockefellers and him divulging their plan for the world, you're already, I don't know, 12, 13 years late now. (laughs) The plan was already in place back in 2007. It was in place in 2000. The plan probably got put into place right after they took out JFK. Allegedly. Now I want you guys to listen to this clip. Fast forward from these ideas about RFID chips and controlling populations, putting all your money on the chip. If you get out of line, they just turn off your chip. It reminds me of that movie Demolition Man. And, I mean, think about all the 5G towers that are going up. Can you imagine if you had an RFID chip implanted in your arm and they have some type of technology that in this grid system they can just, you know, change a frequency and it just messes uh, messes up your whole life, your whole money, your whole identity. Maybe it even mind controls you in some form, some way. Scary shit, right? Super far-fetched. Oh, that, that occurred back in 2007, 2008, and that's not their plan. Oh, that's all bullshit. Andrew for America, you're just a stupid conspiracy theorist. Uh, cognitive dissonance is occurring in my mind, and I'm gonna, not going to listen to another word that you have to say, blah, blah, blah. Okay? Yeah, you can have that attitude. Sure. But you're wrong. <laughs> Take a listen to this. Canada is on the cusp of a revolutionary innovation that will transform the way Canadians authenticate themselves online and protect their identity. Digital ID. All of us are living in a digital world, but we're tethered to an analog model of how we identify ourselves. Memorizing countless online passwords, carrying government-issued licenses, plastic cards, and more. Digital ID is a way for Canadians to identify themselves to government, businesses, and each other electronically with ease and rock-solid security without the need to present physical documents. One interconnected network. A federated digital ID ecosystem developed in collaboration with Canada's best and brightest talent from our banks, telecommunication companies, law enforcement, and government. It would have the power and security to store every Canadian's electronic identity and attributes. And it would unlock countless opportunities for Canadians to verify who they are safely, quickly, and securely while only revealing the information necessary for each transaction. A fast, easy, and secure way to bank, sign up for government services, renew driver's licenses or health cards, shop, travel, and more. Canada's banks are perfectly situated to help lead the creation of a federated digital ID system between government and the private sector. The World Economic Forum agrees that the banks what? and financial institutions should lead the path forward for digital ID. Banks are highly regulated and trusted they have advanced cybersecurity and privacy technology, and they have the infrastructure to operate provincially and nationally. Banks are also at the forefront of working with fintech startups who are bringing revolutionary mobile and online products and services to Canadians. Digital ID can help consumers navigate between these apps and programs with trust and confidence, knowing their ID is protected at all times. A federated digital ID approach can also significantly reduce fraud, save taxpayer money, improve regulatory compliance, and make it easier to do business as an owner and as a consumer. 
In fact, the Canadian Bankers Association just launched a white paper with our recommendations on how to move forward with a federated digital ID framework. I encourage you to read it to learn more. <laughs> yeah, I encourage you to read it to learn more. But you know what caught my ear in that part? He said, an interconnected network between, listen up, the banks, the telecommunications companies, law enforcement, and the government. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? So, you know what I foresee being a possible fear that we should all consider before, before we start making the decisions to move towards this brave new Orwellian surveillance police state totalitarian world dictatorship? What if we all have RFID chips in our arms and we can be controlled by frequencies and 5G and um, the digital, our digital lives are all on this chip. And if we step out of line and start speaking conspiratorially, boom, they just turn off the chip. And now you got to go live in the sewers with Dennis Leary eating rat burgers from the movie Demolition Man, right? <laughs> But what if there's an EMP blast, electromagnetic pulse? What if there's a cyber attack to where everything gets turned off and your digital life goes away? Do you also go away? If there's a cyber attack and the tech gets manipulated or destroyed or compromised, take a listen to World Economic Forum members Jeremy Jurgens and Klaus Schwab. It will be another crisis. Uh, it will be more significant. And, you know, we need to actually start preparing for that now. When we do see this next crisis, it will be faster than what we've seen with COVID. Uh, the exponential growth rate will climb, uh, be much steeper. Uh, the impact will be greater. And as a result, the economic and social uh, implications will be even more significant. Even more significant. What is this next crisis that we just heard Jeremy Jurgens, Harvard-educated managing director of the World Economic Forum, describing? Well, now let's hear from Klaus Schwab himself. We all know, but still pay insufficient attention to the frightening scenario of a comprehensive cyber attack, which would bring to a complete halt to the power supply, transportation, hospital services, our society as a whole. The COVID-19 crisis would be seen in this respect as a small disturbance in comparison to a major cyber attack to use the COVID-19 crisis as a timely opportunity to reflect on the lessons the cybersecurity community can draw and improve our preparedness for a potential cyber pandemic. Yes, a cyber pandemic. 
And before we even talk about what that is, I just want to again appreciate that we just heard two leaders of the World Economic Forum promise that we are going to have a new crisis soon that dwarfs COVID, which has already spelled the end of the world as we know it. So this is something severe, and we need to take notice. This is much bigger than the Project for a New American Century, anticipating a, uh, a new Pearl Harbor, or the Event 201 expecting a pandemic, or even the food chain reaction game describing the food shortages we're seeing now after a pandemic. Each of these events involved lots of multinational companies coming together for a tabletop exercise, outlining the changes they wished to implement anyway, their agenda. And then, when these crises occur, seizing the opportunity to execute on those agendas. That's exactly what's happening here. So the whole premise here, you can see it. Look, it's the same language template even. Quote, like the pandemic, cybercrime does not respect borders or ideologies. No one organization can fight it alone. No one organization can fight it alone. And how are you going to get organizations on your side to fight it if they're already in the pocket of the big club? They got us by the balls. In the words of Mr. George Carlin. And for all you conspiracy theorists out there, ooh, conspiracy theorists, who know about the chemtrails and about harp and about whatever, you know, weather modification technology that the powers that be may have. Isn't that kind of a crazy thought to think about if one of the reasons to globalize under the UN or under the World Economic Forum or whatever is because of quote-unquote climate change. Wouldn't it be funny if they could actually change the climate? <laughs> Not naturally, but artificially? <laughs> oh, man. Take a listen to this. We shall propose further cooperative efforts between all the nations in weather prediction and eventually in weather control. We can control our weather. Weather modification means, quote, any activity performed with the intention of producing artificial changes in the composition, behavior, or dynamics of the atmosphere, unquote. This has not been given very much uh, press, and we have to remember that we are, have a corporate-owned press where 85% of radio, television, and print media is owned by five corporations. And as of April this year, there are more than 150 different weather modification programs around the world. Allegedly, allegedly, right? <laughs> you believe that? <laughs> So, I don't know, people. Remember when I was talking about, the, we were talking about the Deagle, the Deagle forecast? Lots of possible ways that over 200 million Americans might die by the year 2025 or 2030, Agenda 2030, whatever. Could be cyber attacks from RFID chips. Could be 5G. Could be diseases. 
could be wars. I mean, you guys have heard about Ukraine and Russia lately. Oh, God, World War Three, right? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know if it's made up or if it's fictitious, if it's a fictitious conflict that they're going to control both sides of. Hmm, where have we heard that before? Right? Smart homes probably ended up keeping you locked in your house if, you know, we go to martial law and they got to lock you in. Oh, it's for your own safety. We're going to monitor you and lock you away from the real world for your safety. And then maybe we'll all come by and, you know, pump some Cyclone B into your vent system and you all just pass out and die in your own homes. Who knows? They were talking, Russo and Rockefeller were talking about this shit back in 2007. Canada is making a big move towards it with the help from the World Economic Forum now. And then you got Klaus Schwab and Jeremy Jerkins or Jerkoff, Jackass, whatever his name is, from the World Economic Forum. Flat out telling you what their plans are. I don't know what more I need to provide my fellow Americans. Let's move on. And it's time once again on the Politics and Punk Rock Podcast to play some punk rock. Alright people, welcome back. It's time to play some punk rock. And like I said, I've been featuring my old band Nonprofit's 2007 release, The Catalyst EP. So far I've played American Tragedy, Letting Go, Nonprofit, Something to Prove. There's another song on there called New Beginnings. I'll play that in a future episode. But today I'm going to play you the last track on that EP, and this song was inspired by the events of 9-11, and I hope you enjoy it. Here we go, without further ado, here's my old band Nonprofit with the song Vigil.
been episode 85 of the Politics and Punk Rock Podcast. I am Andrew for America. Thank you. Good night. We'll see you next time. This has been episode 85 of the Politics and Punk Rock Podcast. Entitled Canada, Communism, Crypto, Credit Scores, and Corruption. We'll see you next time.